the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Freedom with Adam Riojas. His goal is not only to inspire you to receive everything God has for you, but to go out into the world and make disciples of all nations. And now, here's your host, Adam Riojas. Welcome to today's show. Today we have an amazing lineup for you. We have Rick and Deborah Martinez, and we will also be coming out of Genesis 49 today, the latter part of the show. And without further ado, um, thank you, Rick and Deborah, for being on the radio show with me today with Freedom with Adam Riojas. Um, if I can start off by just asking uh, you guys to share a little bit about yourself, and then we'll go into a Q&A. Yes. Hello, Adam. God bless you. Thank you, Rick. Hey, man. Good to have you on the show. Yes. Hey. So, yes, I was was, uh, pretty young when I came to know the Lord. I was around 25 years old, and before I got saved and set free and delivered by the Lord Almighty, I wasn't doing so good. I was running around in the streets of Los Angeles with with bad intentions, doing things that I, I was getting arrested for. And I kind of was following in my father's footsteps, who spent close to 20 years in prisons, different prisons. Wow. I, as a young, yes, as a young boy, I visited him on a few occasions. And when I started getting into my teenage years is when I started breaking the law and, and getting arrested. And so I was kind of headed that way. And then I, I met a, a young a young lady, Deborah, my wife, who had happened to know the Lord, I, which I didn't. And she she shared with me a little bit here and there. But I was just so wild at that time. I, I, I didn't really hear her until she left me, Adam. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. She left me, boy. She didn't even tell me where she went. She just left me, boy. <laughs> told everybody that I knew that she knew not to tell me where she went. Wow. Wow, Adam. So, yeah, about a year, about a year went by. I didn't know where she was, you know, but I, I had a love in my heart for her. And I think I think just like pretty much everybody, you know, we have a, a yearning, a desire deep in our hearts, you know, to why are we here and what's our future and what's going to happen in my life and the scary part was I would think sometimes how I might be ended up in prison. And I didn't want that. I, I didn't want to go that route. And I know knew Deb knew God because she had told me. And so I, I, I think during that year, I was really contemplating and really thinking a lot. And, and, and finally, I really, really made a great effort. To, I just told her, the friends that she knew, I need to see her. I, I think I'm in love with her, and I, and I need to see her, and I, I want to at least talk to her. And so finally, one of them broke, I broke down, they broke down, and they told me. 
And that's when I ended up going to see her. And Adam, the day that I saw her, I pulled up in my car and I still kind of wild and crazy in my head and everything. And Deborah's all singing and picking flowers. And I thought, what's the difference? You know, I guess she was talking to angels or something, you know, or, or quoting scriptures or, you know, I don't know. But definitely she was way, way different than I was, you know. And I, it, and it looked like something that she was happy and, and I can see in her heart and her smile and her eyes. So, hey, she, she invited me to go to a Christian concert and I, I was ready. I was, it was my time and I said, okay, okay, let's go, you know. And sure enough, they delivered the message of salvation, of forgiveness, of mercy. And I wanted all of that. And I accepted Jesus Christ. That's pretty powerful. How about you, Deborah? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, uh, first of all, I just want to say thank you, Pastor Adam, for having us on your show, on your talk show. Thank you for being on the show today. Thank you. Anyway, yeah, I, um, I didn't have the best upbringing. And I, too, you know, kind of messed around with drugs and, you know, living a crazy life. But at a very young age, 18 years old, I came to know the Lord. And since then, he's taken us on a journey. We ended up getting married at 25. Rick was 26. We embarked on a journey with the Lord um, through our experiences of being on the streets and, you know, familiar with uh, drugs and all the craziness that goes on out there. So we decided we wanted to be people that would also reach out and not just stay in the church. So our ministry predominantly is to not only make disciples, but to go out to the highways and the byways. And our testimony is to see people come to the Lord and to promote the kingdom of God. And then also after they come to the Lord, um, God has used us in ways where we've been able to disciple and mentor. We opened up a home for women. Um, I was directing for several years. We've been in ministry for several years. We've been married over 40 years. All the glory goes to God. Obviously, glory. he's been the center of our home. Uh, it's been, you know, an amazing ride in, in kind of, so to speak. But, yeah, we've been blessed to be used of God to minister to couples and families and work with people that are coming off of drugs, you know, predominantly rehabs, and just helping people come to know that they don't have to stay the same, that there is a way of life that they can walk and have joy and the peace of God. You know, with all the things that are taking place in this world, we've been able to be, you know, sounding boards, so to speak, for the Lord and to proclaim the goodness of God. And, and, you know, we feel that's why we feel so blessed to know you and your wife, Cleta, because you have the same heart, you know, to reach people and to go out into the world and and draw them by the spirit of God. So yeah, yeah, that's kind of in a nutshell. Yeah. What we do. That's pretty amazing. I know uh, you guys have blessed our church um, tremendously, and that's amazing. I know uh, 
here coming up in February, both of you will be, uh, it's the second time now, we'll be doing a, a marriage conference for us on uh, February uh, 9th, 10th, and 11th. And the church is definitely excited um, that you folks are going to come bless us like that. So, Rick, let me ask you a question. Um, you've been married over 40 years. Um, how has this strengthened you, and how can you minister to others knowing that you've been married 40 years and, and you've endured and you guys are still in love? Um, how does that work when you minister to others about marriage? Okay, okay. So so what comes to my mind, Adam, is the Bible talks about how where two or more are gathered, you know, that God is with you. And then it also says that with, with two, it, it's, uh, you know, a cord is not easily broken. And with, and with two, if one, if one is hurting or one is kind of, you know, dealing with things, the other one helps the, the other one. So it's, it's, a, it's a couple. It, 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 when, you, when you're single, it's so much different than when you're a couple. When you're a couple, you, you know, you work together, you help each other. You experience things together, and with God in the center, with Jesus Christ as your Lord, with His teaching, His Bible to to direct you, the the, the book that that is like every everything that we we understand about it, and the direction and the wisdom that we get from it helps me, and all that helps me to share with with others, with other men. When I see other men. Uh, through my life, through the 40 years that are struggling, and, and, and I have something to share, something good, something beautiful, something wonderful, something that God has put in between Deb and I to release to others. You don't want to keep it in. You always want to let it out. That's another thing, Adam, that I've learned over these 40 years is as God shows you, as God teaches you, as uh, all the different experiences and all the different words that God has given to my heart, I, I want to release it. I want to let it out. I want to share with others. So I already have an attitude of wanting to, to share and, and I don't want to keep it in. I don't want to be like a 007 type, you know, where a secret agent. <laughs> Amen. And so that's, that's in a nutshell there, that question. Amen. Deborah, let me ask you a question. Um, okay. How difficult or how easy has it been for both of you to have reached 40 years of marriage thus far? Oh, boy. We've had some very difficult times, times where even we thought we weren't going to make it. My husband went through a horrible uh, situation where he had cirrhosis of the liver stage four, and I know he doesn't mind me sharing because it's a testimony of God's healing power. And during that season of our, our lives and in our journey with the Lord, um, it got almost to the place where it was unbearable. And had it not been, you know, that verse, but God. <laughs> Amen. Had it not been for the Lord, I don't think we would be together today. Because I can remember, even as I would go out and minister the word, I was going weekly to a rehab at the time, I was involved in a ministry that had rehab homes for men and women. I'd go weekly mentor, and I'd teach, 
And one morning I was on my way to teach and uh, I had to drive a couple hours out from the city. They were at a ranch. And I remember getting ready and my husband was, was really, really sick. And he went through some really hard, difficult times uh, through the whole process of healing. You know, sometimes God heals instantly and sometimes there's a process. Amen. And though he is 100% healed today from his liver, but there was a process for us. And in that process, we really learned what it meant to be, you know, husband and wife, one flesh, and keeping God in the center. And I would say the most difficult was remembering, is having to reflect back on how God brought us through. And so I can say that as I was driving, I was thinking in my mind, you know, it's kind of like that crazy cartoon where you got the devil on one side and, and, you know, an angel on the other side and one's telling you, oh, you know, do this, do that. And it's not right. And the other one's telling you, no, you do the right thing. Well, my heart was like wanting to even leave my husband um, because he wasn't being himself. And I was feeling really hurt and, and just completely out of it spiritually. But yet at the same time, I was going to go and minister to women, believe it or not. And I had to stay in a, a, a frame of mind that, you know what, it doesn't matter what I feel or what I think or even what I'm going through. My heart is, is set on God and I'm going forward regardless of all those emotions and feelings and, you know, roller coaster rides, I would say, in my journey. So I remember the Holy Spirit whispering in my ear, not an audible voice, but in my head saying, you know, for better, for worse, for sickness and in health, till death do you part. And when I heard that, you know, my tears started coming down and I said, Lord, I'm staying in it for the long haul and I'm going to be obedient. And I know that you're my source and that, and I don't know the exact words, but I remember just making that commitment never ever to allow the enemy to come in and, and tell me or make me think that I need to leave. So I, I, man, I, I, it was a glorious encounter with the Holy Spirit on that ride to minister. The Lord blessed our time. And then coming back, you know, the joy of the Lord in the midst of chaos and in the midst of turmoil and hardship, I can honestly say that you can count it all joy, you know, when you go through various trials. You don't realize those things until you actually experience them. So we are living testimony of in the good and in the bad, you can have joy, you can make it in your marriage, no matter how hard it gets. And I would say that, you know, in the good times, you know, you want to remember more about the good times, but I think it was the hard times that causes you, you know, to to be strong and to stand firm in your faith. And that's basically you know, how we feel that we can be a testimony of the goodness and the faithfulness of God in our lives and in our marriage. That is powerful. Listen, if you just tuned in, you are here with Freedom with Adam Riojas. As um, We have an incredible couple today, Rick and Deborah, and they're sharing their life with us. And I believe that their life is a blessing to us. And for those of you that are listening as well. They've been married for over 
40 years. Praise the Lord. Um, you know, Deborah, you've been really instrumental in my life and in our church's life. And, and when I say my life, it's because you've been my wife's uh, uh, personal mentor. And it's changed her and it helps her. And she looks forward to the time that you spent. Is this something that you have been doing throughout your walk? Mentoring Um, other women? Yes, actually, that's what I have been doing since I've got saved. Um, I went through, you know, ministry training and, um, and actually became a missionary. And during that season, I was mentored. So I, in turn, when I came back, I was in Puerto Rico for a while. And when I came back uh, to California, where I'm living now, I actually um, began a discipleship program and just got always, you know, one of the things that I have to just kind of maybe share really quick, like, is that you know, we have our children and we have two daughters and a son and my girls, they're, they've been brought up in the Lord since birth. And, um, but they have not really, they have for a while, but then, you know, life and things happen. And now they're not as committed to the Lord as far as, you know, being plugged in to the body of Christ. They're, they're wonderful people. They're great, you know, uh, citizens and, and they uphold the law, they're nurses and teachers and, and they're wonderful. But the, one of the promises that the Lord had given me was he said, if you take care of my daughters, I'll take care of your daughters. And so it was kind of like a, a little pact that the Lord, I felt made with me. It's kind of funny, but he gave me this mission and I've been mission minded ever since, because I know he's got my girls. And you know what? They're walking with the Lord and they're saved and he loves them and they're protected. Amen. But I have a mission to take care of his girls. And one of the things that he always puts on my heart and has given me such a passion for is to see women succeed in their walk with the Lord, not like be successful per se, but to actually have a personal, intimate encounter with the Lord where they can make it through no matter what comes their way, God is going to get them through. And I'm not saying that he's going to get them out of their situation, but I'm saying he's going to be with them in their situation. Amen. And I can, I can only say that because of my experience. And yes, I, I've been mentoring and discipling. Um, oh, and I said that little story because even when I wasn't looking for anybody to disciple or mentor, God always seemed to bring them to me. So it was like my door is always open, and I never lack for daughters. Amen, amen. Rick, I have a question for you. All right. So, you know, we obviously have to work. All of us have jobs. What do you do for a living, and how does your job still bring glory to God? Okay, so what I do, what I did for a living is I was a conductor engineer for the railroad for Burlington Northern Santa Fe Railroad for over the 40 years. And I believe, Adam, that God 
he 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 gives you the the health. He gives you the the manpower to go out and work for your family, for you, for your wife, for your children, for your community. I think that brings glory to God when when you when you're a man that that, that takes the responsibility, Adam, to to pay the bills because you're working hard and you you find a good job. If you have a bad job, you go you find a better job. Amen. And then, Yes, and then you learn to save, you learn to invest, you learn to tie. That that's probably one of the biggest things. When the, right from the beginning, brother uh, Pastor Adam is, I truly believed when I got taught that tithe, about tithing, I, that's when the, it started right Amen. away. Amen. Giving, and, and it develops a giving attitude too. When you give your finances, probably one of the things you want to hold on the most, you know. But but when you give. You you start giving in all things. You you give of your time. You give of your talents. And music has always been my talent. Is the gift the number one gift that I have? You know, with me and my wife. And, and as far as where God has brought me and, and led me, and it's always opened doors for me in different musical av- areas of my life for the Lord. So I, I just believe that uh, the having a job, like like you said, is is a good thing for any man, any godly man that wants to serve God. Amen. Well said. Um, Deborah, if if there are people right now struggling with their marriage, um, what would you say, especially to to a woman that's at the point right now, they may be listening on. As a matter of fact, I believe someone is listening that is going through a rough time in their marriage. What would you say to them? What would you say uh that could encourage them right now? I would say to lean into God. I would say never, ever give up on your marriage. And I would especially remind them that how God is faithful, that if he could do it for us in our marriage, when there were times when we thought we couldn't make it, that he always put that hope in our heart and not to lose heart, but to also remember this, And this is what I really like to invest when I share with women is reminding them that they are in a fight, a battle. You know, anyone that serves the Lord is enlisted in the Lord's army. The word of God tells us that we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but we're fighting against powers, principalities and rulers and spiritual wickedness in high places. And if we don't understand that, then, yeah, we're going to feel defeated and discouraged and and feeling like we want to give up. But I can always remember the Holy Spirit reminding me, you're in a fight for your marriage. If you see that there is areas in your marriage or in your life that you need to, you know, turn around, that you have to remember your battle and your victory is on your knees. It's, it's not physically arguing and fighting with your spouse or, or getting mad and angry and frustrated. All those things, you, she can, I would encourage her to actually take them to the Lord. Get frustrated with the Lord. Tell the Lord, I'm frustrated. I'm hurting. And I don't know how much longer I can take this. So I need now your strength and I need your power and I need the power of the Holy Spirit to come inside and work through me so that my hope and my faith can arise 
and I can defeat the enemy through the power of your word. If you don't lay hold of the word of God and begin to profess and claim that the victory is yours through the power of God's name, his authority will cast out every lie of the enemy and all those things that would try to cause you to feel defeated or want to run away or be discouraged and rob your joy. The devil, you know, we have this uh, scripture that we always quote in John 10, 10, that the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But God came to give us life and life eternal and, and a, a full life, life that's abundant and full of joy. And that life that he gives us, it actually means eternal life means the uncreated God life. In other words, a life that wasn't created. It was a life that already existed because God existed before life and even after life. God always existed. So he can give you that uncreated life and begin to do supernatural things through you that can put the enemy to flight because it says submit yourself to God, you know, and humble yourself before God, and the enemy will flee. So as you're submitting and giving your life over to the Lord and giving him your pain and your hurt and, and crying it out before him on your knees or however, you know, you pray, there's, there's no formula, there's no, you know, right or wrong way. It just simply go to the Lord and give him your hurt and your pain and your marriage and begin to ask him, teach me how to fight for my marriage. I didn't know. You know, it wasn't until I started studying the word and also obviously being connected to a body, you know, the church, and had support and just prayers from the saints that I was able to overcome so many obstacles and so many difficulties in my marriage and in my home that had it not been, you know, for the power of God, and the work of the Holy Spirit and the family of God at church. I don't think I'd be here, you know, happily married. Thank you so much for those powerful words. Um, if you want to listen to uh, and hear Rick and Deborah again, they will be at At the Cross 2112 El Camino Real on February uh, 9th, 10th, and 11th at a marriage conference. God bless you, and thank you, and we'll be right back. The Oceanside Pier is a sacred place, blessed with ocean views, the strand, good people, and good times. You'll find all those things and more at the Bistro at the Pier. Locally owned and operated, the Bistro at the Pier offers delicious food options and a full slate of crafted coffee drinks, including Italy's own Cafe Vergnano, sourced from Italy's finest coffee beans. So whether you're craving an acai bowl or an espresso, the Bistro at the Pier is waiting for you. Head on down or visit them online at bistroatthepier.org. Freedom Generation Higher Education is a faith-based alternative education option that values constitutional rights and medical freedom, serving ages 3 through 6th grade. Hosted by At The Cross Church in Oceanside, they offer in-person classes and electives Tuesday to Thursday, along with a classical conversation community offering foundations and essentials on Mondays. And they're now accepting applications for spring 2023. Visit them online at www.atthecrossoceanside.com. That's at thecrossoceanside.com. Woohoo! Welcome back to today's show. We just had an incredible couple, Rick and Deborah Martinez, 
who, if you want to hear again, they will be hosting at at the Cross Church a marriage conference on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. That would be February 9th, 10th, and 11th. And we're looking forward to having you there and come join us. And now for the latter part of the show, thank you for uh, staying tuned and um, and thank you for being here with Freedom with Adam Riojas. We will not go into the best part of the show, and that's God's Word. Um, we are going to be coming out of Genesis chapter 49, and we are going to see something amazing. Um, we are going to see the first declared prophecy through a man in the Bible, and that's in Genesis chapter 49. But let me catch you up really quick um, in where this scene is taking place and in time and in the history of humanity, the history of the world. Um, As you all know, and if you don't, the first part of the earth before it was destroyed by water, and most of you know the story, most of you have read it, most of you can see all of the signs whenever you're traveling through America, you can see how there was a world flood, you can see the layers, and and you can literally see the pockets of water that that still exists from the flood, but the first part of the world lasted about 1,600 years when God finally just destroyed the, the first part of this world that lasted 1,600 years again. And of course, we know that only eight survived. Noah, his wife, his three sons, and his daughter-in-laws. And today's message is literally about 500 years after the flood, it's still young. It's still uh, a good time in history where things are are beginning to shape and take place. Um, and again, you know, the godly line was through Adam's son, Zeth, that eventually proceeded from the line of Shem, one of Noah's son, and eventually through Eber, and through Eber, a couple of generations later, Abraham was born, and we see, again, now the world forming. Um, We know the Tower of Babel. We know how people begin to get into this mode again of, thinking they could be God. And what I mean by that is when we start believing that all decisions come from us and that we're the ones that make things happen. And that's when we begin to look to other forms of worship. That's when we take our eyes off of God and eventually our hearts become so hard that we walk away from God. So you got Abraham. Abraham was first called, and you can read a story in Genesis 15, how God called him, how God promised, and how God brought him out of the land of Iraq, the land of the Chaldeans. Um, And the Chaldeans, as a people, still exist. So you got Abraham had two sons, Ishmael and Isaac. Isaac eventually has two sons himself, 
Esau and Jacob, who are twins. Um, Jacob eventually flees because he becomes this deceiver. He steals his brother's blessing, though he had it coming anyways. He flees back into Iraq. Um, He eventually gets tricked himself. Um, He falls in love with a lady named Rachel, and he works seven years for her. And the father of Rachel tricks him, gives him the younger sister, Leah, and he ends up working another seven years. And eventually he ends up having 12 kids plus a daughter. And as the story progresses, we know that the brothers eventually uh, became very jealous of their brother, Joseph. Um, They planned to kill him. And then they sold him off into slavery, into Egypt. And now this is uh, where the story begins to take place and begin to manifest itself even more. So we just went through a brief period of world history, um, according to God, according to the Bible. Anything outside of that is not true history. If you believe in evolution um, I, there's some things to think about. What came first, the toe, the nose, the eye, the ear, uh, the foot, the leg? The t- I mean, it could be uh, the list can go on for years because it, it just it's a hoax. It makes no sense. But again, we're, we're back to this place now where the brothers eventually sell him off. Joseph becomes prominent. Uh, but he ends up in, in prison, uh, 13 years. Um, the wife of Potiphar accuses him and of raping or trying to rape her. Uh, Potiphar puts him in jail. Eventually, uh, he finds favor in jail, becomes one of the lead men while he's in prison. Um, eventually, Pharaoh, the, the reigning person of Egypt... Um, ends up incarcerating two of his people, uh, the butler and the cook, and they have dreams when they're in jail, and Joseph interprets their dream, and they both come to pass, and eventually Joseph ends up in the uh, uh, presence of Pharaoh and becomes second in command. The land goes through a, a serious drought, And eventually, that's how he's reconnected with his family again because of a famine. And now they're back in Egypt, the whole family, 70 members ended up coming back. And this is where the story now begins, uh, where Jacob declares the first prophetic prophecy to these folks. And here we go. Let's pick it up in Genesis 49, verse 1. One, it says this, and Jacob called on to his sons and said, gather yourselves together that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. Now, what's interesting about this verse, um, a lo- there's a lot of Jewish tradition that believe that at this point, Jacob is about to tell them what was going to happen in the last days of world history. But when you look at it in context, 
it it's literally saying these prophecies that I'm going to give you are going to be until the last days. And, and we will see how true that is and how prophetic his word was to his sons. And here we go. Uh, Gather yourselves together, hear ye sons of Jacob, and hearken unto Israel, your father. And the very first son comes up now. Reuben, thou art my firstborn, my might, and the beginning of my strength, the excellence of dignity and the excellency of power. And now we see the latter part. I mean, he's totally respecting his son, but now he brings who Reuben really is. Unstable as water, thou shalt not excel, because thou wentest up to thy father's bed, then defilest thou it, he went up to my couch. And so what's crazy about this is Reuben, being the eldest, ended up sleeping with one of Jacob's concubine, which was um, Leah's maid, whom fathered children to Jacob as well. And Reuben ends up sleeping with this lady whom was not his wife, who was the mother of and of Dan and Naphtali, who were his brothers. Can you imagine that madness? And that's why he never became a prominent person ever within Israel. Never any kings, prophets, uh, priests, any prominent men ever came out of Reuben. And it's, it's, when you want to read about the story, you can read it in Genesis 35, 22. Listen, if you just tuned in, you are here with freedom with Adam Riojas as we're going through God's word. And as we are going through Genesis 49, as we see Jacob's prophecy, declared prophecy for his sons. And this is the first time you see a declared prophecy by a man in scripture. Now, verse 5 says this, Simeon and Levi are brethren, instruments of cruelty and their habitations of my soul. Come not thou into their secret, unto their assembly, my honor. Be not thou united, for in their anger they slew man in their self-will. They dig down a wall. Cursed be their anger, for it was fierce and the wrath for it was cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. Now, what's really amazing, um, if you've ever read the Bible, and if not, I'm going to tell you what they did. Simeon and Levi were brothers. And what happened is their sister at one point went out to hang out with the women of the land again, became uh, this lady that went out with unbelievers, was not equally yoked, and ended up getting raped by this man. 
in Shechem. And eventually what happens is they come back because this man wants to marry Dina all of a sudden, the sister of these two brothers. Um, and they say, okay, the only way you can be part of us <clears throat> is literally by circumcising yourselves. Now, circumcision was something that when they took the penis and they circumcised it, and as crazy as it sounds, during the circumcision period, Simeon and Levi went in there and literally killed every single man that had been circumcised, wiped them all out because they had raped their sister. Now, Simeon and Levi were eventually dispersed through all of Israel. When they ended up in the promised land, their tribe was in the middle of Judah, surrounded by Judah. Eventually, they got swallowed up and ended up all over the place. Levi eventually ended up getting grace um, and was still scattered because they were the ones... When Moses was coming down from the mountain and the people were in idolatry, that they took up their swords and listened to Moses. And so God made them the priests, yet they never had their own land and they were scattered about. Just like Jacob had said would happen to them. And To this date, they're scattered all over the world. They're part of those 10 tribes that have been scattered throughout the whole world right now. And of course, you know that in 1948, Israel got their land back and a lot of Jews have returned. But Jews literally have have been part of world history in every country throughout the world. Um, And we can start off by definitely knowing that Bill Gates, the Rockefellers, um, Zuckerman, uh, these are prestigious men that are Jewish, but they're not good people. These are the wicked people. Just like Revelations in 3.15 says, says that they literally are of the synagogue of Satan. That's what the Bible says. They say they're Jews, but they are not. They are not. And God still, though, has blessed Israel like none other people on planet Earth. Now, when we get to Judah, here is the blessing that happens to them. Um, Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Judah is a lion's whelp from the prey. <clears throat> My son, thou art gone up. He stooped down. He couched as a lion and as an old lion who shall rouse him up. The scepter shall not depart from Judah nor lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come Unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Binding his fowl onto the vine and his ass colt onto the choice vine. 
He washed his garments in wine and is clothed in the blood of grapes. Of course, all of you know that Jesus came out of the tribe of Judah, and they were always praised by the rest of Judah because all of the kings, except for Ben, except for Saul at the beginning, who came out of the tribe of Benjamin, um, but all the kings came out of the tribe of Judah, and eventually Jesus comes out of this tribe, and we can look at this and say, wow, God, this is beautiful, because it's to the T. In Revelations 7, we can see that God has, or Revelations 5, excuse me, that God continues to bless the tribe of Judah. Jesus is actually called the Lion of the tribe of Judah. The Jewish people have this incredible blessing upon them, and we can see why when we see the blessings and the cursings that came out of the mouth of Jacob when he's when he has all of his sons gathered together. Now, the other prophecy that is amazing about this is Shiloh will come, and Shiloh actually has a, a, a word that comes from shalom, like peace. Its etymology means it comes from the word peace, shalom. Now, when it says, uh, when it speaks about the vine, they have the most incredible wine on planet Earth. They have been blessed beyond anything you can imagine. The Israeli wine has the best wine on planet Earth with all of the vitamins that it's richly blessed with and all of the antioxidants that come from this wine that is grown in Israel to date in the land of Judah. What an amazing prophecy. And anyone who calls upon the name of Jesus, who came out of the tribe of Judah, shall be saved. And one day we will see him face to face. That is powerful. Now, in verse 13, it goes to Zebulon and it says this, Zebulon shall dwell in the haven of the sea, and he shall be for a haven of ships, and his border shall be unto Zidon. Um, and as we read this now, we see that Jacob now has skipped the birth order, moving to the tenth born and then the ninth born sons. But what's amazing is he's been keeping his focus on the sons born to Leah. A lot of you know the story and know how Jacob was attracted more to Rachel, but he ended up marrying Leah first because of trickery. And Leah was an incredible woman because she continued just to love on Jacob and eventually won the heart of Jacob himself. Um, when Leah died. She was actually buried in the burial place of Reuben, Isaac, and eventually Jacob. What an incredible blessing that this woman was. Out of Leah, 
Um, also came the bloodline of Judah, who eventually um, had all the kings out of that tribe, and then ultimately Jesus Christ. Now, as we continue to read, it says this, Issachar is a strong ass couching down between the two burdens. Now, Issachar was a large tribe. It was third in size, according to um, Numbers 26 and the census that was taking there. Now, one of the things about Issachar is because of their size and abundance, they were often targets of oppressive foreign armies who literally put them in servitude as slaves. Um, And so we see how God did this. And one of the things that they, that uh, Zebulon and Issachar is that these were very lax tribes. And some say they were the laziest of the folks within them. Now, and he saw that the rest was good and the land that it was pleasant. Again, they get the lazy from the rest and bowed his shoulder to bear and became a servant and a tribute. Now, Dan shall be his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan shall be a serpent by the way, an adder in the path that biteth the horse heel so that his rider shall fall backward. Now, most people believe that out of Dan, the Antichrist will come. That Dan actually um, converts to the final Antichrist, converts to Christianity, but he's a false Messiah. Eventually, he says he's God. And what's interesting is Dan is actually left out of the tribes in Revelation chapter 7, though Ezekiel in chapter 48 sees Dan as having one of the actual gates into this land in the millennial period. And then and then all of a sudden, Jacob says this, I have waited for thy salvation. After he gave this prophecy about Dan, he says, I have waited for thy salvation. Literally, Yeshua, I have waited for Jesus. I have waited, O Lord. And it's kind of like he says these words prophetically like, Yes, he's waiting for Jesus. Yes, only Jesus can make things happen. Gad, a troop shall pass over him, but he shall overcome at last. Now, Gad is also an interesting uh, person. The tribe of Gad supplied many fine troops for King David. And you can see that in, in uh, First Chronicles 12 24. In the days of Jeremiah as well, among other times, foreign armies literally oppress Gad. Yet victory would be his all the time in the end. And so that's what we see happen to Gad. Now, out of Asher, his bread shall be fat and he shall yield royal dainties. Now, in Deuteronomy 33:24 Moses again took up his prophecy regarding Asher and he says this Asher is most blessed of sons let him be favored by his brothers and let him dip his food his foot in the oil he was always a blessing to the rest of 
the tribes and literally blessed them with the necessities and luxuries that the other folks needed. Naphtali is a hind let loose. He giveth goodly words. Now, Naphtali um, is... Uh, land was in a key portion near the Sea of Galilee. And it's interesting because this is the re- this is the region where Jesus, how amazing is this, did most of his teaching and ministry. Now, Joseph is a fruit bod, even a fruitful bod by a well whose branches run over the wall. The archers have solely grieved him and shot at him and hated him, but his Bow abode in strength, and his arms and his hands were made strong by his hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. Shepherd, he became a great shepherd during his time, and he blessed him. He lived about 54 years after Jacob died. Even by the God of thy father who shall help thee, and the Almighty who shall bless thee with the blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lieth under, blessings of the breast and of the womb, the blessings of thy father have prevailed above the blessings of thy prognotators onto the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. They shall be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him that was separated from his brethren. Benjamin shall, shall be as a raven, as a wolf. In the morning he shall devour the prey, and at night he shall divide the spoil. Now, this is what's amazing about uh, Benjamin when you think of Benjamin, you have Ehud who came out of that tribe, King Saul who came out of them, and then Paul of all people. And these, they were always known for their cruelty, but God is so amazing that he blessed Saul eventually and called him Paul. Thank you for listening, folks. And we hope that you will join us again next Sunday and join us January, February 9th, 10th, and 11th as we hear Rick and Deborah again to bless us at a marriage conference. Thank you for being here with us today. Thank you for knowing that God is on the throne. We love you and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Freedom with Adam Riojas. If you'd like to contact Adam, email him at freedom at adamriojas.com. Make sure to tune in next week at 5 p.m. here on K-Praise. If you missed a show, go to your favorite podcast provider and search Freedom with Adam Riojas. The Oceanside Pier is a sacred place, blessed with ocean views, the strand, good people, and good times. You'll find all those things and more at the Bistro at the Pier. Locally owned and operated, the Bistro at the Pier offers delicious food options and a full slate of crafted coffee drinks, including Italy's own Cafe Vergnano, sourced from Italy's finest coffee beans. So whether you're craving an acai bowl or an espresso, the Bistro at the Pier is waiting for you. Head on down or visit them online at bistroatthepier.org. Freedom Generation Higher Education is a faith-based alternative education option that values constitutional rights and medical freedom, serving ages 3 through 6th grade. Hosted by At the Cross Church in Oceanside, they offer in-person classes and electives Tuesday to Thursday, along with a classical conversation community offering foundations and essentials on Mondays. And they're now accepting applications for spring 2023. Visit them online at www.atthecrossoceanside.com. That's at thecrossoceanside.com. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.